Okay, today we're going to be learning about Chodesh Kislev. Yay. And obviously uh, about Hanukkah. You only get one chance. One chance per month. So uh, we get as much in as we can. So hopefully everyone has uh, a chart of the different uh, signs and uh, hints about the month. We're just going to go, going to go through it, and then we'll uh, devote most of the time to, to Hanukkah. So the first thing we notice is that the letter of the month of Kislev is a Samach. Uh, just as a very quick review from Sefer Yitzira, the 12 what are called simple letters, meaning they're only pronounced in one way, correspond to the 12 months. So every month uh, in the language of the Sefer Yitzira is created through a letter. And I'm emphasizing not the opposite, not that the letter is symbolic of the month, but the language of the Sefer Yitzira is through the letter Samach, God created the month of Kislev. We know in general that God creates everything through the Hebrew letters. So what's the connection of Samach to Kislev? So for that, we'll, we'll add the Chush, the uh, sense of the month, <coughs> which is Shena, which is sleep. But it's explained that people will say, well, I mean, everyone sleeps. Unfortunately, we all know not everyone sleeps as well as other people. So in a sense, there is a sense of sleep. But what's really meant here is a sense of dreaming. That is what the, the chush is. It's of dreaming. So I'll point out something very interesting. Is starting except for one dream that happened a few parshas ago, nine of the ten dreams mentioned in the book of Bereshit, meaning the whole Chumash, there's only ten dreams in the whole Chumash, all ten of them occur in the book of Bereshit, they all, nine of the ten happen during the month of Kislev. During? During the month of Kislev. Oh. So that's an amazing thing, because that is the sense of the month, is of sleep and dreaming. And nine of the ten all happen within one month. Last week we had two dreams, Yaakov and the ladder, and at the end of the parsha, God comes to him in a dream, telling him to go back to Israel. And Levan has a dream. God comes to Levan and says, don't when he's chasing after him, don't touch him. <coughs> and then in uh, next week's Parsha, we have uh, four dreams. Yosef has two, no. No. Excuse me. We have, um, there are, there's six dreams between two Parshas. The dreams of the butler and the baker. First, the two dreams of Yosef. Sorry, I didn't get it in order. First, the two dreams of Yosef, that he dreamt about his brothers. And then the dreams of the butler and the baker. And then the two dreams of Paro. 
So, and all of this is coming within the month of Kislev. So I can ask the trick question, so which one is missing? What's the ninth one? That's only eight. You said there's ten dreams, and you the, I, I went eight. through nine. I went through nine. Nine. Two of Yaakov, and Vietze, and Lavan, and then six more. Butler Baker, two of Yosef, two of Paro. So just to save time, the first dream that is mentioned is when God came to Avimelech after he had taken Sarah. And in a dream, warns him not to touch her. So those are your ten dreams. So it's just quite amazing that it turns out on the month of uh, Kislev, who's whose chush, whose sense is of sleep and dreaming. So what's the connection to the Samach, though? So for this, we have uh, a well-known statement by Chazal that dreaming is one-sixtieth of prophecy. Dreaming is one-sixtieth of prophecy. Sleep is one-sixtieth of death. So there's a whole series of one in 60. The reason is because the Samach is a circle. So you could ask, well, why, why don't they say one in 70th, one in 80th, one in 50th? Exactly. Yes, that's the whole thing. The Samach is a circle, and every point of the circle, right, that's what's, what's called Batal Bashishim, is it becomes nullified. The point on the circle becomes nullified if it's less than 1 in 60. So 60 is also how we develop time. I mean, did we do that or Hashem did that? So 60 minutes, 60 no, seconds. No, that's more us. That's more us, but it's based on the circle. There's no doubt about it that 60 minutes to an hour, 60 seconds are connected uh, okay. to the All idea of, of, uh, of a circle. Because All time... Right. We also divide a circle by 360, which is... Uh, six times 60. 60. Yeah. And because our time is based on cycles. Right. The year is how long it takes the Earth to go in a circle around the sun. And the month is the rotation of the moon around the Earth. So it is from Hashem. It's how he created the universe. That's the yeah. <laughs> You could say that, but it's still somewhat superimposed. Mm-hmm. In other words, we have seven being Shabbat. Right. That is from God, right. right? But we don't have in the Torah per se where it says that you should have 60 minutes to an hour or 60 seconds to a minute. That came later, but it's always based on nature. It's always going to be based on nature. Okay, so, so here have a beautiful connection, the idea of um, the one-sixtieth of dreams is prophecy, and one-sixtieth of sleep is, is death. Now this is connected very, very much, as we'll see in Hanukkah, coming at the darkest time of the year. Because, um, I mean, I wish I could mekayem this, of getting more sleep, but <laughs> a lot of people do sleep more in the winter months. You know, it's dark already by 5 o'clock. A lot of people 
especially getting onto our age, have a harder and harder time staying awake at night, right? It, it's 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 part of the the uh, rhythm of of light and dark. The tribe. Now, this again is not mentioned in Sefer Yitzhak. This is a later development. According to the Ari, the 12 tribes, of course, connect to the 12 months and the 12 constellations. So here, the tribe that's connected to Kislev is Binyamin. <coughs> and this also makes a lot of sense because the Beit HaMikdash is in the Chalak of Binyamin. And, that, and that's Hanukkah is about Hanukkah Tabayit, the dedication or rededication of the temple at the time of, of Hanukkah. So here we just see many, many uh, beautiful connections. If you look at the far right, the elements, uh, as we mentioned, the 12 constellations since ancient times. Has been, thank you, has been connected with a, a cycle of fire, earth, air, and water. In other words, the 12 constellations go through this cycle three times. Last month, we learned about Cheshvan, and it's connected to, to water. Now, that was very obvious because, one, we started praying for rain during Cheshvan, and not only we pray for rain, we, we really need to pray more because we're entering into the fifth year of a drought here. And the rains are just not coming the way they used to. Five, this is five years in a row. And if it doesn't rain really good this year, there's going to be water rationing this summer. They're like, the, the Canaret is at the lowest point in, since they started recording about 120 years ago. The lowest point. So it's, uh, it's actually quite serious. But we saw the obvious connection, and there are two different opinions, but the, the majority opinion is that the Mabul begins in Cheshvan. So we saw obvious connections to water. Our uh, constellation this month is Sagittarius, which is a fire sign. Now that's very obviously connected to the light of Hanukkah to the Hanukkiah, to the rededication, to the whole, the whole essence of the holiday. And the second is the, the fire of, it's a perfect place, Matatiyahu, and his sons, is that they, to go to war, it means a lot of what's called spiritual fire in order to do that. And that's connected to the bow of Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the sign of Sagittarius is the bow. And here it, it's, it's hinting to the idea of, uh, of war. So having gone through this very quickly, we just see that every single one of the simanim are, are very, very connected. They're obvious. When we first introduced this, I said that except for a few um, exceptions, all of uh, these simanim are super obvious. There's a few that you have to stretch a little bit, but almost all of them are just 
wow, <laughs> this incredible connection. So um, now I want to go back to um, the word Kislev. We know that these names, there's, a, there's much debate about them as to their origin. Um, most people accept that we brought them back from Babel. That in the, in the Tanakh, different names are used for some of the months, not these. Um, actually, we, we learned this last week that in, in the book of Malachim, the month of Cheshvan is called Bul. And the month of Iyar is called Ziv. And these names came back from Babel. But then there's a Machloket is... Do they still have Hebrew roots to them? Or are they um, Babylonian words that we adopted? Just like if you, if you read in the Gomorrah, there, there are many, many terms that are actually Greek that we've just adopted. That it's um, like afikomen. Afikomen, that's just what pops into my head. It's not, it's not a Hebrew word, it's a, it's a Greek word. And there, actually, there many, Rashi says an amazing thing about, about tefillin, um, totafot. In the Torah, they're called totafot. So if you look at Rashi, it says an amazing thing. I don't remember exactly, but um, he says they're African words. They're African words. So and we and we and we know actually in this last week's parsha, so Lavan named the place where they made a treaty. It's an Aramaic word, and Yaakov called it Gilad, but Lavan named it an Aramaic word. So the point is, some of these words um, have obvious uh, Hebrew meanings to it. And that's, that's the, the main opinion, is that even if we brought them back from Babylonia, they have their roots in, in Hebrew. So the word Kislev, many, many people make drushes on the word Kislev by dividing the word in half. The, the, the Kuf and the Samach, here you have the Samach in the name of the month, is, uh, not kuf, excuse me, chaf, not kuf. Chaf means to cover. Kisei, kisui. And the second part, lamed vav, equals 36. So that's, we're going we're gonna to do a couple of drushes here, because if you look at different Hasidic sefers, everyone loves to make drushes that kislev is... 36 are hidden. So what does this relate to? What it relates to is a number of things. And here we'll, we'll begin by introducing Hanukkah. We'll make our uh, transition into Hanukkah. Is that everyone knows the tradition that the light of the first day of creation was hidden away. It was not considered a physical light, per se. It was a spiritual light. 
Well, there are many, many beautiful connections now to, to science um, explaining the, the nature of this original light according to modern cosmology and physics, what that light was before there was a sun and the moon. Because we know the sun and the moon is not created to the fourth day. So everyone asks, well, what is this light? So, so we're told it was a spiritual light. And the tradition is that uh, God hid it away for the tzaddikim in the time to come. Not meaning olam haba, but in the creative process, this light was hidden away. So it's very important to understand the word hidden here because that's the root of Kislev. It was, it was hidden. And according to tradition, how long did it shine? 36 hours. That's the tradition. The Midrash says that this light shone for 36 hours. So that's the, the first rush of Kislev, that this light of 36 hours was Kisui, was hidden away. Now what's important is the word hidden and not taken away. Taken away has more the connotation, it's gone forever. It was taken away and it exists no longer. But that's not the word that we use. It was hidden away. So then everyone asked, well, where was it hidden? So there are a number of answers that are given in different places. And they're all very important. One is it was hidden in the Torah. Because the Torah in the prophets is called Torah Or. In fact, a number of yeshivas, Torah Or. The light of Torah. So, uh, this is a beautiful teaching in of itself, that when we learn Torah, we are accessing the spiritual light of the first day of creation. <laughs> it's hidden in the Torah. And the more we delve into the Torah, the more access we have to this light. And obviously access to make it part of our lives. The other... Uh, idea is Shabbat. That this light was hidden in Shabbat and this is very, very connected to the spiritual reasons why women light candles to begin Shabbat. And we end Shabbat also in Havdalah with, with light. But the first act of Shabbat to bring in Shabbat is women are literally making the hand motion of bringing in this very ethereal, hidden light into the Shabbat. So there's a, a very, very beautiful hint to this, that in mathematics, you have what are called inverse numbers. To us, it seems more like uh, uh, number games. But when you have a number and you just show the mirror image of it, it's called an inverse number. And we're told that they share certain properties. Just like we say in Gematria, if two words have the same numerical value, there must be a connection. You have to look for the connection. Mm -hmm. 
So the word for Shabbat, uh, not the word, the number of Shabbat is 702. The inverse number of 702 is 207. 207 equals light. Or. Or. So this is a very deep connection between the the light of of, of Shabbat and uh, we have halakhic reasons we light candles for Shalom Bayit. But there's also spiritual, mystical reasons is that Shabbos begins with light and we end it with light. The other place they say that this light is hidden was in the menorah in the temple. And the, and the last place is a, is a more, came a little bit later, is in the Hanukkah. Now in the lights of Hanukkah are hidden the original spiritual light of creation. So that is a very important thing for us with Hanukkah coming. And there's another really important hint to this, is that this light of the first day is, is referred to as the Or Ein Sof, the infinite light of God. And so the word Or, light, 207, equals exactly Ein Sof, 207. Ein Sof. Oh, uh, equals or equals 207 and ain sof uh, equals 207. So or ain sof is really two times 207. But this, this is a, a very, very important hint to us about the lights of, of Hanukkah. Is that the, the question is, well, are, are these physical? Are these only physical lights, or do they tap us in to something much deeper? So for all of these hints, kis lev, lev again is lamed vav is 36, the 36 hours that this light shone, and how many, how many can, let's not count the shamash right now. How many candles do we light during Hanukkah? 36. 36. We light 36 candles. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8 equals 36. So these 36 candles, again, they're physical light. There's no doubt about it. But if we have eyes to see and we take the proper time to meditate on the, t- on the candles, we could start tapping in to the infinite quality that is shining through these lights. Okay, so there's two more connections to 36, is that when Adam and Chava were expelled from the garden, so after they realized uh, that they were naked and they clothed themselves. So then the Torah says that they were walking in the garden and they were trying to hide from God. Because they, now they realize that they were 
they were naked and they had self, a different type of self-consciousness that they had before. That was part of eating of the tree. And so God challenges them by saying, Ayeka, where are you? Not like, where are you physically? I can't find you. But I see you very well. But where are you holding? What have you done? Where do you think you can hide? So Ayeka is Gematria 36. So we're told that that's what happened here. That until that point, Adam and Chava, according to the Midrash, had access to this light. But as soon as they ate from the tree, then it was hidden. And that's why God says, Ayeka is like, like where are you going to go now that you, you don't have this light anymore? What do you think you're going to do? Look what you lost here. Look what you lost here. And of course, the same word is the first word of lamentations. Echa. Echa and Ayeka are the exact same, it's just we pronounce it differently. The, the, the vowels are different. But it's the same cry of Echa is coming from God's cry. What have you done? Where have you gone? And then one other connection to, to 36. These are all drushes on Kislev, in a sense. They're all coming out of these drushes. Many of these are very well-known Hasidic drushes. Is the concept that there are 36 tzaddikim in every generation. And there's, there's a number of uh, traditions with this. One is that there are 36 revealed tzaddikim, and then there's 36 hidden tzaddikim. Um, uh, Tikkun Ezor talks about 36 tzaddikim in Israel and 36 outside of Israel. Many different takeoffs on this idea, and it's mentioned in the Gomorrah. So a, a beautiful connection here is that if you write the word Yavan, Yavan, Greece, is a Yud, Vav, Nun. If you put the word Tzadik, not the word, the letter Tzadi, by the way, the Ari called the letter Tzadik. He didn't call it Tzadi. He called it Tzadik. If you put the letter Tzadi or Tzadik in front of Yavan, what does it spell? Siyam. It spells Siyam. So, this tells us a number of things. Is that first of all, that if you remember um, the blessing that Noah gave to Yafet. Yafet is the spiritual father of Yavan. Yafet means beautiful. So that's very, very connected to the whole culture. Backwards. Uh, maybe I'm spelling it wrong, but what about Nevei? Nun Bav Yud. Noi. It is. It is Noi. It yes, is noi. exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, which also is beauty. Right. Yavan backwards, right, is beauty. Is beauty. So Yafet, of course, comes from the word Yafet. 
So Yafet is beauty, and we know that the, uh, philosophically the, the difference between Israel and Greece was their um, emphasis and their almost worshipping physical beauty and, and the superficial and all of that. But the bracha that Yafet gets is is to dwell in, in the tents of Shem. So we learned something very important about this. this is a, it's an amazing thing. Because you would think, ah, since Israel and Greece are at odds philosophically, that we, we don't like anything beautiful. We, we, it's distasteful to us. But that's not true. It's not true at all. But it has to dwell in the tents of Shem. That was the bracha that Yafet got. In other words, all the physical beauty in the world, whether it's art or culture or music or landscaping or making a beautiful house or a beautiful bay whatever it is, it's all wonderful. As long as that isn't the main emphasis, that doesn't become the main um, importance in life. I remember my, my mother, Allah Shalom, used to say in her later years, it's still true, she said, in America, you can't be rich enough, skinny enough, or young enough. <laughs> because that was the, the whole em- emphasis is, is you, have, you have to fit this box of what we're going to tell you is beautiful, and you have to strive to fit into that box. If not, you're like, you're out. You don't, you don't make the, the vision of Hollywood. So, the, the interesting thing, so here you put a tzadi in front of Yavan, so, that, so then that, that's when beauty can dwell in the tents of Shem. Tents of Shem is Tzion, is Zion. And it, it turns out that Sion is Gematria Yosef. And Yosef is described as being very beautiful. And, and what is Gematria? 156. Sion? Sion is 156 equals Yosef. 156. And Yosef is the one, remember the, the Midrash is when the wife of Potiphar, they, they her friend's like, well, what's your big thing with this guy? Like, she said, and remember the whole midrash, she gives him knives and oranges. They'd never seen Yosef. And he comes in, and they're like, and they keep on cutting their oranges, and they cut their hands. Because they're like, then they say, well, now we understand. <laughs> but it's interesting that Sion, again, so the emphasis here is we see in, in a halacha is that, first of all, we have the concept called Hidur Mitzvah. So that already tells us there's nothing wrong with beauty. We're told to make our mitzvot beautiful. Hidur Mitzvah. I didn't understand what is Tzion doing in all that. If you take the word Yavan, and you put a Tzadi before it spells Tzion. Tzadi is the Tzadik. Tzion, you mean Or Tzion? What is Sion doing here? I didn't understand the question. Yavan. What is Yavan 
is Greece. If yeah. you put it Saudi, the way I heard nothing about it. Okay, Zion is, is Israel. So that's the one. Zion dwells within Zion. Within the hands of Shem. Ah, okay. Zion. She got okay, okay. She right. has the one. Zionut. Okay, okay. <laughs> Zionut. <laughs> I was thinking Zion Shem Rabbi Nachman. No, 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 no. Hard Zion. Hard Zion. Okay, thank you. Okay? So here we have an amazing connection is that, and remember we mentioned this because of the 36 tzaddikim, which are connected to the 36 candles. So one of the meditations of uh, Hanukkah is to access your own spark of a tzaddik. That's one of the ideas, is each night of these, these candles are like our own sparks of righteousness, of being a tzaddik, but we have to develop them. We have to own them. We have to integrate them. And so each night, these lights are that we can also be a tzaddik. Ah, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. Yeah. So the Alter Rebbe and Rebbe Nachman have two different ideas of what is a tzaddik. And I'm wondering, there must be other ideas beyond that of what is a tzaddik. So, what is a tzaddik? We're going to wait till the end of the class for that one. We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Okay. Okay, so now, in the time remaining, I'd like to give you some ideas things to focus on, meditations for the lights of Hanukkah. That is the book here, that's a hundred meditations. And the reason is because, according to Hasidic thought, sitting by the lights of Hanukkah is one of the most auspicious times of the entire year to connect to your neshama. And we do that through meditation. And here meditation simply means focusing on the light and thinking about them. Uh, unfortunately, too many people light the candles and they run off to get their kids or grandkids their presents or, you know, the latkes are, are already waiting and according to Hasidic thought, you're supposed to sit for a half an hour by your candles. Yes. And the other opposite problem. Uh, they say that you have to read seven times your Shev 20 times this and half time. So by the time I, you say all these things, you have nothing left that from your own soul. I, okay, so I hear that. If, so if that's how you relate to it, then you should do them later. Or sit longer than a half an hour. But, but what you're saying is true. That now, every generation, they add more and more kavanot, and, and they're beautiful. Beautiful. If, you're just, if a person is just reading them, to, like, like to be Yotzi, this is what they tell me I'm supposed to read, and it doesn't mean anything, so then I would say not to do it. If the words are meaningful and one is thinking about them while they're looking at the candles, then it becomes very powerful. 
But I'm just saying is that this happens a lot. That there's so much to say. You know what it's like? It's like you go on vacation and you spend your whole time taking pictures. Instead of actually experiencing the sunset, you take 17 pictures of the sunset. Instead of even taking one minute, just, okay, I don't mind taking pictures. It's a good thing. I'd like to experience the sunset and not just take pictures of the sunset. I think some so, of us aren't even familiar with what Khan is referring to. If you look in many books, there's all kinds of covenant now for, for, for after lighting yeah, the candles. You read seven times your chef is sitting there. One time you say that, three times you say that. So by the time you say that. So what I'm saying is, if. You're, if a, not you, but if a person is feeling it's too many words and I'm missing the experience, so then I would shoot for the experience first and then you say the words. Because people get lost in the words. Right. It, it's the, the same thing I let's say. The words aren't, if I'm understanding what she's talking about, the words were things that people created to make people spend that half hour meditating right. on the light. Right. If you're just reading the words because somebody said you're supposed to read exactly. things, exactly. then why bother? Exactly. Better you should... Meaningful, but, the, but, but are you aware of the meeting? And if that's the case, I'm then if you're the doing meeting. Then that's your meditation. Then that's your meditation. you're doing what he's saying. But for too many people, it's like saying it seven times and it becomes rote and mechanical. And we're not, we're not connected. That's why I wrote this. Because all the, all the um, and I'm sure everyone's had the experience by sitting by the, by the candles. It's, it's an awesome experience when you take the few minutes, but most people do not take the few minutes. They light, they stand there for a minute or two, they feel something special, and then they go off and make dinner or whatever. There's an Indian I heard that you're not supposed to do malach for half an hour. For half an hour. For half an hour, but not Which what I'm saying. Not everyone is, does it. If you think about it, it makes you have to stop and think about. It. At least for me, yeah. I mean, malach. Now, this is to me my lifeblood, being able to do the crafts and whatnot. So. There's a half hour I can't do something. It it makes me think, what you know? Is there a problem with singing and a guitar? That problem. It's like the best thing you could do. <laughs> but that's a kind of malacha. No. No, 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 that's no, not, not kind that of type malacha. of malacha. No, 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 no. I mean, okay. like, like the Rosh Chodesh type of malacha. No, that's a not. A woman's yeah. not supposed to sing. Oh, okay. Okay. That type of malacha, not malacha, no. Shabbos malacha. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Um. Again, I, let me uh, let's let me get through some. I have so much material here, and then we'll have plenty of time for open discussion. Okay? Just one quick question. Yeah. Is, is there a potency of the light? In other words, if you light, is it the first half hour after you light, is that when it's the strongest the light, or is no. it like the same the whole No, no, it's just that realistically, most people will get busy, and it becomes in the background. So the idea is you light, and then you sit by your lights. But many lights are, are lit for four, five, six hours. You can always come back. And listen, we have, we have families, children, grandchildren. I'm not saying it, it, it's easy to do that all the time when you have kids running around to sit there. Wait, wait, no one can talk for the last, next half an hour. I'm meditating. 
doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it needs to be later, after the kids are in bed. But the idea is that these lights are very, very, very special. And um, that's why there's a hundred meditations here, because there's so many different aspects. But like many things, many people don't know what to think about. Like the lights are beautiful, and okay, but now what? So that's one of the reasons we have these readings, because they're supposed to connect us. But like I said, many times just the readings get too cumbersome. Yeah, well, here near Tesoro, yes. the lights are outside most of the time, so you're supposed to be outside with your maneuver. Personally, I light outside, and then I light inside also. also. Yeah. And my wife, she lights inside. And I'll tell you, many times, uh, like in a Beit Knesset and Shacharit, they relight the lights. So you can technically relight them and have them going 24 hours. Your wife lights also? Yeah. Yeah. Different minhagim. I'm not going to make no comment. Uh, no comment. Um, you ask your, your rabbi what to do. trying some of the meditations. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I just want to finish with this thing of Hidur Mitzvah. Because it, in halacha, first of all, we have this idea of hidra mitzvah, with every mitzvah. You, you want a beautiful kiddush cup, you want a beautiful challah cover, you want a beautiful etrog. This is, this is in, in halacha, the idea of hidra mitzvah. But what's interesting about Hanukkah is we're told in the halacha, you can be yotzi with the, with the having done the mitzvah of Hanukkah, by lighting one candle each night. That's it. It's in the halacha. The hidur mitzvah is to add a candle each night. And, and the hidur of the hidra, mahadrin sheba mahadrin, is that everyone lights a menorah. The more light, the better. So here we're told that there's something about Hanukkah that's mahadrin, sheva mahadrin, not in the kashrut meaning of it. It's in the beauty of it, because lights are beautiful. And so we want to do not just the hidur, not just the um, plain mitzvah, and not just even the hidur. We want the hidur, sheva hidur, which again seems a little bit maybe contradict, why? This is Greece, why, why are we doing it? But that's the point, is that we need to take Greece, Yafet, and put it in the tents of Shem. That's why. I think, I think I'm just picking an example. It, it, it makes a difference for women if you go to a 50-year-old mikvah that's run down uh, or if you go to a brand new mikvah, it, 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 it feels different, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it, it, that's what's called hidr mitzvah. That's what's called hidr mitzvah. I, I, I go to this mikvah in um, Kiryat Sefer, and it was, it was very old, and they shut it down for about a year and a half, and they reopened it, and it's absolutely beautiful. It is, it is really, and, but you feel it. You feel it. And the same thing going to a beautiful Beit Knesset. It's just 
there, there is something to it. And we know about Shabbos. Our own home. What's, yeah, the way we dress on Shabbos, the kind of food we eat on Shabbos, the way we set the tables. But it's not the ikar. That's the thing. It's not the ikar, but it's the covered Shabbos kodesh. The covered Shabbos kodesh. So this is the bracha that Yafa needs to dwell in the tents of Shem. So Hanukkah is, in a sense, putting the best of all worlds together. Okay, with the short time we have left, I want to really give over two meditations. Two meditations that are very easy to do and, and, and they're very meaningful. So first of all, and again, ask your rabbi what to do. But most Ashkenazim say, Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotov v'tzivanu lahadlik ner shel Hanukkah. Correct? Yeah. Okay, the Arizal took out the word shell. And therefore, almost all Sephardim, almost all Hasidim, say, Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotov v'tzivanu lahadlik ner Hanukkah. Without the word shell. The question is, why did he do that? So there's two basic reasons. With the word shell, the blessing has 14 words. If you take out the word shell, it has 13 words. We'll see a connection in a second. And the other is, if you take out the word shell, the Rashi Tevot, the, the initial letters of the last three words, not in order, spell Nachal. Lahadlik is the Laman. Nun is Ner. And Chet is Hanukkah. So Nun Chet Laman spells Nachal, a river. So the Ari gives over this. It's, it's, it's such a simple meditation, but it's it's just, it's so meaningful. So he said, when you light the lights of Hanukkah, so there's a whole question, really, again, like we said, is it a physical light? Is it a spiritual light? Is it God's light to us? Or is it our light to God? And that, that the same question is asked about the menorah. The, the midrash asks, whose light is this? Is this God? giving us a sign of his light? Or is this a sign of Israel's light shining back at God or shining to the world? The answer obviously is both. It's obviously both. This is what's called the arousal from below and the arousal from above. So the Ari says that when you light candles, the way we experience it at least is we're striking the match. We're lighting the candle from below. But he said like this, when you light your candles from below, imagine that from above, as these lights go up, they um, trigger or they arouse a waterfall of light from above, like a nacha. And that one should experience 
being bathed in this nachal of light. It's such an, it's, when I first learned this, it was like, wow. Wow. And it, it's, it, there's no great Kabbalah about it. I mean, okay, he did it because of the nachal. Um, but but the, the meditation itself is just to feel God's light just coming over us. Everyone knows this it. This comes from the Arizona. Yeah, yes. So this is connected to a number of things that, that, that make it even, even richer. Is, so why 13, though? Is these are the 13 midot of Rachamim. What is 13? The 13 words of the blessing if you take out the word shell. shell. Yeah, 13. You have 13 words. And so if you look at many Kabbalistic Sidurim, or you have these pamphlets for Hanukkah, every word of these 13 words corresponds to the 13 meters of Rachamim. But what the, what the Ari was trying to have us feel here is that, first of all, the idea of uh, Hanukkah, you know, it was a little bit like um, the Six-Day War. The Six-Day War, Israel was on the verge of destruction. Everyone thought Israel would be destroyed. And then there was this incredible miracle, and the whole thing turned around. But it was the same thing at the time of the, the Maccabees. The Greeks were the greatest empire the world had ever seen at that point. Israel uh, was a small, tiny, little province of Greece. Half of the Jews had become more Greek than Jewish. Yiddishkeit was, it was totally being threatened. It was like, it was, it, it was push come to shove here. And that was the greatness of Matatiyahu. Is this like in shav ematai? Not now. Like we're at the end here. And so the Ari is is that they, if we read it in the prayers, that God had rachamim on us. That God helped us. We fought the war, but it was the miracles and miracles that we succeeded. And so the, the Ari wanted us to not just be drawing down light but God's compassion. And we all know as individuals how much we want and need to feel God's compassion in our lives. So this idea of a nachal of light is a very poetic idea. But we see that, uh, without going deeply into it, that it's a reality in science. Because what is light? We're told light is a wave and a particle. That light is a wave. And so when the Ari said, you should imagine yourself standing in a waterfall, yeah. a wave of light, there's actually something very, um, in, in physics that says, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. It's a, it's a, a river of light. And just that those words are very poetic. A river of light. But if you stop to imagine it while you're looking at the candles, it's, it's a very beautiful idea. And this is connected, as you mentioned it, is um, the connection of music 
to the candles. Because what is music? Waves. Also a wave, sound waves. So something that I do, and I, I highly suggest it to everyone. Um, right now, we don't have children at home. And the grandchildren do visit during Hanukkah, but most of the nights we put on very meditative music and sit and meditate to the lights with the music. And it is, it is so powerful. It is so, because also we know how, how music can just... Who is that music? Could you give us this music? Well, I have one right over there, oh. but I, I don't use just mine. I just, any, any classical music, any very meditative music, yeah, harp music. From Absolutely. Rav I listen to ah, a lot of Rob Ginsberg's um, Nigunim. Yeah. Usually, when you meditate, you close your eyes. So this time, you open your eyes and you meditate. Look, look yes, at you the do candles. both. You do both. You, you, you use the, the candles to... With the eyes open. And then, you can close them and you can imagine them. But, but also, it's, it's, if you're it definitely with both. And light like a candle, and you close your eyes, you're still going to get the light. Okay, so this, this idea of putting together the water, the light, and the music. Because we know that how sometimes music can like wash over us also. The, the same imagery. The same imagery. Okay, because of um, a. Limit of time. I want to give over one other idea. One other idea. And that is using the candle, the physical candle, to meditate on the soul. Now it's brought down in all of the Sfarim that the main verse to meditate on to the candles are Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. It's in uh, Mishlei. The candle of God, Ner Hashem, Nishmat Adam, is the soul of a, of a human being. So there's obviously there's something about the candle that connects us to our soul. And it connects us to the, to the as it were, the essence of God. So here we're using the candle. Now, there are different versions of how to use the candle to meditate on the soul. So I'm, I'm giving one that I, I developed. The, the Zohar gives a different one, and, and there, there are other ones, and they all work. They all work. I found this one uh, just very um, easy to do. That if you imagine a candle, so there's really five elements to it. Five elements. The wick is the nefesh. Because this is connecting you to the candle. The nefesh, the, the, the candle is like the body, or the, or the shemen, is the body which is going to produce the light. So the, that which connects our body and our soul is called the nefesh. The nefesh is, that's why we can't eat the blood of an animal, because the nefesh is in the blood. It's the part of the, of the soul most closely associated with the body. That's the patila, the wick. 
And then there is a blue light. You have to look at the candle. There's a small blue light. This you can be envisioned as Ruach, the second level. Then around the blue is a black light. This is the Neshama. And around the black light is the, the, the vast majority of the candle itself. They will call it the yellow or white light. This is the Chaya, this is the life force. I'm assuming everyone is familiar with the five levels of soul. If not, I'll go over it quickly. And then the rays of light, the glow that comes out of the candle, that is the Yechida. So I'll go back over. So again, the Nefesh is called the animal soul. That's the wick. The Ruach is the emotional aspect of the soul. That's the Ruach, that's the um, blue light. The Neshama is the intellectual component of the soul. This is the black light. The Chaya is the life force, the animating life force behind, superconsciously behind the soul. And the Yechida, that glow, this is the connection of the soul to its um, godly source, what we'll call the pintalayid, the, the point of God within the soul. So this, it's, it's a very easy um, meditation, but it's based on the candle of God is the soul of man. Ner Hashem Nishman Adam. And then it, it can take you to many, many beautiful places. And, okay, so yeah. you look at all these things, so like it, you look at the, at the yellow and blue, so fine, so this is connected, this, but then how, what are you doing? Ah, then you, ah, then you have to start thinking about it. You have to, you have to think about what is the connection between my soul and my body and feel it. A lot of times we do it through breathing. That's how we feel the connection between the soul and the body. And then we can look at our emotional state. Maybe we're an emotional wreck going into Hanukkah. So that would be a good time. That would be a good time to, okay, it's Hanukkah now. <laughs> now it's time to, like, where, where do I have a handle on my emotions? And then the neshama, then the, the intellect, and connection to Torah, connecting to um, the light of the intellect. How, the idea of the hamoach shalit alalev, that the mind is supposed to rule over the um, heart. Well, is my mind ruling over my heart? This is the Nishama, right? Yes. Okay. Right. No, I'm just giving examples yeah, yeah. Of, of all of this. Like I said, when you go, if for those who, who got this book, the meditations are very short, but it's dependent on us then developing it and thinking about it and, and focusing and integrating. Here, any meditation is, just gives you the skeleton 
but that each person has to provide the um, personal yeah the personal yeah. connection uh, to it. So this is just about an hour. We'll wait, 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 yes. We'll, I want to end with a bracha. I always like to end with a bracha. Because um, I want to see it before next month. So uh, everyone should have an enlightening Hanukkah. Um, we're told that there's actually there's, there's really two miracles of Hanukkah. The miracle of the lights and the miracle of the war. And here we are in Eretz Israel. We have the merit to uh, observe Hanukkah um, in our day, Yamim Hahem Bezman Hazeh, and we can experience and be uh, acknowledge the, the miracles around us all the time that we're, we're here. And Bezrat um, Hashem, that you know that the one second that the when we say anerotalalo after so it says kedela hodot ulahalo that actually when you read the words it actually says that the reason for lighting the the, the lights is to bring us to praise and to be joyous. So, um, along with all of the rituals of Hanukkah, really the bottom line is to be is to be joyous and acknowledge the incredible uh, miracles around us and goodness, and to really express that full hollow eight days of full hollow that like. The rabbis really went out on a, a limb here, right? Even on Pesach, except for the first day, we don't say full halal. They went out on a limb, eight days of full halal, because that, that, that's what they wanted us to experience.